0: Well, here we are. Yes. chicka licka choo That's what I'm doing. Chika choo 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 It's a good move. Thanks, man. I'm kidding. Oh, my kids think it's funny. That's one thing that's great
1: about kids is that <laughs> they think everything's funny until they reach a certain age, and then they just n- tell you the truth about everything. And that you're stupid. Truth tellers. Yes. Here we are back, episode 107. Is it this time? Well, I mean, I think so, but no, I, The truth is, is relative, obviously, in this podcast.
0: Last episode was hilarious because there was so much confidence at the beginning. And then at the end of the, the episode, <laughs> it's like, oh, I was wrong. And you're like, Yeah, I was wrong last episode. I'm sorry. Episode
1: 107, You'll Die Trying. I'm Jonathan Carroll. I'm Nathan Morris. Today, I'd like to talk about diplomacy in business and business communication. I was waiting for you to tell Brent to go ahead and play the... Oh, I figured he already did. And he did, see? Yeah,
0: he texted me yesterday and he said, spit up in the beard, check. Oh. Yeah. Brent, if you all do not know, I I didn't want to spill the beans or, or spill the milk or whatever, but Brent and CJ, his lovely bride, brought a beautiful baby girl into the world less than a month ago, and we're really excited for him. And CJ, her name is Anna Lee, and she's very pretty and sweet and... She spits up in his beard, which I knew it would happen. So, Brent, I I don't feel sorry for you. I think it's funny. Your beard no longer smells like that good smell because his beard's so big, ladies and gents, that it fills the room with, like, good smell stuff. Now it'll just smell like, ew. Mm. Sorry, Brent.
1: Congratulations to Brent and and his wife. That's fantastic.
0: Happy, happy, happy. Hey, can I say before we get started what I did yesterday? All you want. Remember last episode we were kind of talking about Gary Vee and you said he's kind of uh, too much posting and so forth. Well, he has that phone number that you can like text and stuff. So it's essentially it's really brilliant. It's like a uh, an an email blast but every day or two days I signed up for it. He'll send a text out. You can reply and he does reply to some people. I sent him a link to our sent him a link to our podcast. Okay. With him getting blasted and saying, would love to have you on to discuss. He hadn't responded. Heck, well, he might hate us now. People of that ilk do not manage their own social media. I mean, I know he has probably three interns that are, you know, yeah.
1: sifting through that. Yeah. yeah so. Although I do think that there are certain politicians who do still operate their own social media accounts. But many of that, uh, of that genre or echelon someone to do it. I love that word, echelon. Mm -hmm. That's a fun word. Echelon. Yeah. So, Joy and I have, uh, for the last couple of months, been enjoying, uh, if we're going to watch a show, we've been enjoying the show Madam Secretary. It was a uh, political drama uh, that was created, I think, in 2014, starring uh, Tim Daly and Tay Uh, among others. And uh, it's a story of a secretary of state and uh, her understanding of her role as the nation's top diplomat in her representation of U.S. foreign policy to all the other nations of the world. And it's a it's a really a fantastic show, actually. And it's in its final season now. Uh, and we, we have just caught up as of very recently, this past weekend, we've caught up so we're excited to see what happens. But um, anyway, I, I have been watching that show because I'm, I've always been fascinated, fascinated in diplomacy because I think the opposite of diplomacy is war of some kind or another. And I've always thought that war is a failure of moral imagination, regardless of whether it is deemed to be necessary it nonetheless represents a failed imagination, a failed commitment to communicate with words and meaning and ideas and purpose, a failed attempt to listen and a failure of nerve. So I'm interested in diplomacy. Well, as the Secretary of State, you are over a huge department known as the State Department, whose responsibility it is to represent the U S in foreign policy. And I observe how the characters who represent the state department in that show are always looking for the big picture, no matter how small an event or incident that may pop up. And they're all critical and they're all important and they're all dangerous. Well, many of them are, um, they always make decisions with the end in mind, the larger picture. So I was thinking, I'm going to write about this too. So for those of you who both listen and read my columns, there might be some overlap here. I haven't done it yet, but I'm interested in that idea of the big picture and keeping the conversation going. There is a topic in Owensboro, Kentucky uh-huh. right now um, that, is, that has reached a level of civic engagement like most issues don't. You can imagine that it's going to be either about money or sex. And this one is about fairness, which has to do with both money and sex Um, because the idea is, and I think that there are 11 or 13 other uh, Kentucky cities who have passed a fairness ordinance. The idea being it should be made unlawful to refuse uh, service, housing or employment to someone on the basis of sexual identity or orientation. And there's a lot of vocal pushback about it. Um, and there are civil, civic leaders, county commissioners, for instance, who are saying that it doesn't have the votes to pass, and they haven't even read an ordinance yet. They're just saying they're not going to vote for it. And So, I think that this is a really wonderful example of the necessity for diplomacy, right? So I'd like to hear you talk a little bit about that because I know you have a mind for trying to get people to the table Mm -hmm. uh, to have a conversation. I'm by nature and by profession a a listener, and I think it's really important to do both of those things. So I thought I'd get you to talk a little bit about what you were talking about in a conversation we had this morning, and then I want to say what diplomacy is Give an example and then see if we can workshop that.
0: Yeah, I, I am in love with this whole Disney. Walt Disney had the end in, in mind and insight all the time, and he was magnificent in bringing people to the table. He literally would find people. Uh, uh, and, for instance, the costume designer for the It's a Small World, she was like, "How much do you want me to spend on each garment?" And he said, "We have a building full of people who find money, make it happen." I mean, he literally empowered people to do those those things. And even when the Bush Gardens and the Six Flags came uh, competing with him, he would tell his his higher ups, "Stick to the formula, kindness, cleanliness, and the rest is the details." Right? And I was, I, I'm just so amazed at how he could. Uh, bring so many people together that was his i mean he just orchestrated it it was magnificent upon his death he was mourned company-wide literally it was it was like who is going to fill this void i mean when you get to such a large scale that he was at upon his death you would have people upon people that would do these jobs and these jobs but he was so present within those people right not physically but just it was it, it was it's amazing to study uh, so, from a, a diplomacy standpoint, I think there's conversation to have there regarding the fairness ordinance. Mm. I think uh, it's 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 a magnificent conversation to have, and it's it is very uh, uh, it's human. It's the right, uh, being kind and 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 accepting. There is a wrench that I'll I'll throw just for the other side of the coin for conversation purposes. I believe there's a few years ago where there was a like a cake shop owner.
1: Right?
0: Mm-hmm. In Indiana. And in Indiana, that did not want to make the cake for...
1: While Mike Pence was governor.
0: They didn't want to make a, a cake for same sex. Just did it, nothing, nothing, and I, I believe it turned into something far larger, obviously, than what they even intended. Hey, I don't believe in this. This isn't something I'm supportive of. Yes. Okay. So I was just thinking when you were talking about this, this literally just popped in my mind. So let's say a devil worshiper came into one of the funeral homes, and they wanted to have like a funeral and devil worship, and I refused that. Does that make... I'm saying me, just uh, this is a terrible example and I just want to play very safe in saying all these things because...
1: Oh yeah, I'm not safe, so we're good. Yep. I'm gonna go for it.
0: So there's my thought,
1: you go. Well, of course, the fairness ordinance is the proposition that it become unlawful to uh, discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation. So if there were a... If there were someone who came into your funeral home and requested a particular kind of service Mm -hmm. uh, that was unlawful, obviously, you would disallow it. Mm -hmm. There would not be a a, a weed-smoking circle. Uh, There would not be a (laughs) sacrifice of an unblemished goat. (laughs) What if there was? But you wouldn't be excluding on the basis of sexual orientation, which is what the fairness ordinance is about you'd be excluding on the basis of what is lawful, right?
0: I think that's a, this what you're saying is a absolutely incredible point to really alleviate any confusion. Right. Because I can create a, an example like, it's fine if I don't want to serve a devil worshiper, right? Right. But it is not fine to unlawfully refuse service to someone based upon sexuality.
1: Sexual orientation, right. No. So... You know, but and there have been opportunities for you to serve people who have made requests that don't go along with your specific religious convictions, mm-hmm. and you have accommodated those people. Uh, and and I think you've done that because it's an act of hospitality, correct? Uh, because it's not about judgment. So I, I think the primary defense given uh, for those who oppose a fairness ordinance has to do with the potential. Um. Uh, What's the word? Um, the potential to uh, discriminate against someone based on their religious belief. So, if, for instance, I'm a bakery owner and I can't refuse service to an openly gay couple who is getting married, then and and I believe uh, as a religious person, fill in the blank re- with the religion, that it is unsightly uh, before God to live that lifestyle, mm-hmm. and I'm being told by the government that I have to do this for them, they're saying that's a violation of my of my religious liberty. So, I can riot, violate someone's civil liberty on the basis of my religious liberty. So, it, it gets to be sticky, sticky, right? Yeah. So, a couple of things about that. Number one, uh, Jesus doesn't say anything about homosexuality. So, I don't think that one can claim a Christian uh, defense about that because Christian means to follow Christ who had nothing to say about it. Did you hear all those old ladies passing out in the pews That's okay. We are unsponsored for this episode. So <laughs> definitely I'm okay with that. Um, you can take the larger biblical witness and there are historically six texts that people refer to when they want to talk about uh, homosexuality. Uh, most of them are in Leviticus, uh, which is a, a list of 613 purity codes which were designed by Hebrew people uh, to try to maintain a life of, of purity and connection with God. One of those makes it an abomination for uh, people to be in a same-sex relationship. However, there was no word for homosexual. The word really used there is idolatry, uh, adultery, and prostitution. So there isn't really, and, I, and I've written articles about this, and we can have a whole other conversation which would go on forever. There isn't really a cogent biblical argument against homosexuality as we know it. Uh, and there are all kinds of resources that can help elucidate that if you don't want to take my word for it. But I understand and, and am sympathetic to, and here's my diplomatic approach, I am sympathetic to people whose reading and interpretation of the Bible doesn't align with mine there. As a diplomat, though, one must be strong in one's own opinion while maintaining a listening posture toward another. It doesn't mean being weak and being stone rolled or steamrolled, it means listening, but still declaring self. So, diplomacy is an act of differentiation of self. Mm-hmm. I would like to argue that of the 613 purity codes, that one is the only one that's lifted up. We ignore the fact that we should not be wearing garments that have a seam. We ignore the (laughs) fact that men should not shave their faces. Women should not cut their hair. That if our children talk back to us, they should be killed. And that we shouldn't barbecue on the Sabbath because if our neighbor smells it, we should be killed. That's just a very small uh, cross-section of the Levitical purity codes. Off with his head! that people overlook eating pork, eating crawfish, any kind of shellfish, anything from an animal with a split hoof. These are all together, (laughs) the purity codes. Why do you think people have taken... What if we're picketing about the split hoof? How dare you? Yeah, why do you think people have cherry-picked, right? Because I think people are afraid Mm -hmm. of things that they don't understand. Correct. The fairness ordinance is trying to speak to that population. I can make a cake and disagree with the fact that you're, you voted the way you voted because you might have voted for someone who threatens my religious liberty. But I'm going to make a cake for you because my job is to make cakes for people as a business, as a service, as an act of hospitality. Mm-hmm. Take it from the homosexual couple's perspective. If one baker is allowed to not serve them and they're in a town of 3,000 people, how many bakeries are in a town of three thousand people? maybe two mm-hmm. maybe not even one? What if they all got together and said, "Don't make a cake for this person and then that that word spread and this, these people couldn't find anybody to make a cake for them you know take it all the way out to employment, housing, and other services right. What if the utility company was privately owned and decided they weren't going to provide electricity to homosexuals? This is a serious issue. It's not about cakes. It's about life and hospitality and inclusion. Not on the basis of what I think about someone else's lifestyle because I guarantee you, you open the door to 99% of the homes around yours and you're going to find something there that scares you and makes you wonder what in the hell the world has come to. Right but you would still serve them with your services. A diplomatic approach to this says, we're not going to argue with one another. We're not gonna start making it personal. We're not gonna start claiming that someone is less religious or less Christian or less educated.
0: Is that what it, you think it is
1: right now? I do, They're, I think it, it always comes down to, well, perception, you're not perception. a Christian, yeah. like I'm a Christian. And when you have a fundamentalist mindset, you believe you speak for God. And if you believe you speak for God and someone says something other than what you're saying, then that's someone speaking against God. Well, who can allow that? So it's very difficult to be engaged in a conversation with fundamentalists. And this is, I think, writ large, not just in small communities, but in international conversations. Conversations between the US State Department and Iran, for instance in its uh, nuclear talks or its talks with a relationship between Iran and Israel. I mean, these are nothing more than dysfunctional families on the global stage. And the same principles apply there that apply in our conversations. If we could listen, share our ideas, find the common ground and make decisions based on what we can get on board with start there it isn't perfect but it's a start and over time watch as those conversations grow and become more flexible and supple and hospitable to new ideas you end up with treaties and peace agreements and you notice that there are nations that have been at war since they've been uh, nations yeah nations and i think that's a failure of imagination, I some think of them haven't they been quoted?
0: Some of these nations have been quoted saying we don't even know what, what, what you know what we're fighting for, or fighting about, we're just continue to fight because it's yeah, part yeah. of it.
1: I mean, there are stories of millennials who, uh, uh, for instance, uh, a Palestinian and Israeli millennial who will meet for coffee every week, and they've been doing the, this since they were. 19 years old, Mm -hmm. and they have this dream of ending this conflict that their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents before them have been embroiled in, and they'll come up with an idea, and they'll bring friends around this concept, and it starts to get a little grassroots traction, and then one of them will get married, and they'll have a child, and all of a sudden, they start to fear what the world will be like for their child if what they're saying happens and they, are be, they would be giving up something that their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents all before them have always fought and died for. And so they change their minds and end up towing the party line of the past, and they forego all of those dreams that they had cooked up with their, their neighbors across the border. This happens in every culture. Every culture. Change is hard, especially change like that especially when someone thinks they're giving up on a moral or religious code that they believe is bound up with their own salvation.
0: So if you're on the other side of that coin and 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 you're and you're seeing it as a way of I don't I don't speak as elegantly as you, but uh the inclusive side. So the for the the homosexual couple that just wants to literally go get a damn cake, if they want to get a cake. So yeah. like But understanding the moral aspect that this person would be foregoing or or giving up, it's a big deal for them too. But but
1: what are they giving up? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. So see, that's that perception. Like I would want them to help me understand. In what way does this cause them to sin? Because. Guess how many people have come into their shops buying things? That have who murdered evade Their taxes, they're cheating on their spouses, they beat their children, yep. they've murdered, they are uh, you know, smoking meth in their shed before going <laughs> home. I mean, and you, you know, we laugh, but this is the truth of right. humanity. It absolutely. The is. issue is we have cherry-picked sexuality so stupid. in the same way that we had cherry-picked color of skin. This isn't a religious liberty issue to me as much as it is a, religi- uh, a civil liberties issue. We had white and colored water fountains. So are we moving to straight and gay bakeries? We're mm-hmm. just repeating the cycle. Yeah. And no matter how sophisticated your justification, no matter how biblically centered your rationale, Philemon, a New Testament letter was used both in support of and in opposition to slavery by the founders of this nation. You could make an argument for and against slavery using the exact same biblical text. That tells you that this conversation is far more complex than just God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Right. That doesn't work. And it didn't work for Jesus either, which is why he is always engaging people saying, I know you've heard it said in eye for an eye and tooth for tooth, but that doesn't work. For me, love your enemies. Mm -hmm. Does loving your enemies mean refusing an apartment to them, refusing a job when they're qualified, refusing a cake? I think when Jesus said it, Jesus meant it. Right. My
0: brain just can't fathom not being accepting or kind right yeah i mean, I just can't i can't i i, I can't do it it's kind of like someone uh, we talked a few podcasts episodes ago about waving at people and stuff like someone walking into my place of business our home I, I can't not open the door for them yeah i don't care that they just did meth in their car and i hope that they did it you know right. but i i when i say i don't care you understand but i'm
1: going to still open the door for them it's we have we have become so accepting of so much that really does run against the grain of the gospel, and we've become exclusive of those things about which there is legitimate uh, controversy and and in, in question. Mm-hmm. And I would always want to err on the side of being generous rather than believing that I'm a gatekeeper. I don't see in Jesus's life, and I'm saying Jesus because most of these. Um, conversations come down to a debate about what is a Christian worldview. Uh, when people say it's a violation of religious liberty, they're not talking about allowing Muslims to move in next door, because I think many Christians would fight that too, and for different reasons. Um, you know, it's interesting to note that Jesus was not a Jesus was a Jew, and was not a fan of Samaritans. There was a race issue between Jews and Samaritans, which is why when Jesus tells the story of the good Samaritan, he is saying that there is an enemy uh, who lives on the other side of the tracks, whose entire life and culture you despise, who took one of you and took care of one of you and took you somewhere and made sure you were safe and left money for you and and then became absent, left, never asking for a thank you note, never asking to be acknowledged, never agreeing to an interview on the Today Show. He took care of you when you were beaten, left you with resources, supplies, and money, and, and, and did what was right. The Samaritan did that to the Jew, who were enemies. The Palestinian did that to the Israeli. The U.S. person did that to the Iranian. So it just goes to show that the, the, the real gospel is love God, love your neighbor. It's not about exclusion, it's about embrace. So I think that there needs to be a more diplomatic approach to these political slash religious conversations going on in cultures and communities like ours. And I don't see leaders rising up as diplomats. I see commissioners securing their reelection bids
0: i was saying votes in my head but uh-huh. you're yeah we're on the same page people are just so scared of standing up for what they believe in because they're fearful of losing something which is either a seat or a business yeah i mean they're so scared of it, it I, I i don't want to say i fault don't fault them
1: i understand it. i do i really
0: I, do yes because that's how my mind used to be not but not in this instance this instance is just being kind and right and inclusive is just what you need to be. But other instances, I'm like, hold my tongue because I don't want to ruffle feathers. For yeah. the-
1: well, and I get that. And I, I have the same We're both of us are business owners and we have to, you know, we're not interested in alienating people. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of why, what everything that I'm saying is a diplomatic approach is not an alienating one. It's the opposite. It is an inclusive one. It's one that says not, I disagree with you, period. I'm going to do what I want to do. It's, I hear you. Yeah. Let me say back what I think I hear you saying. Do you feel heard? Can I say what I believe? Can you hear me? Do I feel heard? And given these differences, how do we move forward? How do we move forward where your sense of religious liberty remains intact and my sense of Inclusion and hospitality for all people remains intact. How do we do that? And I think if we could have roundtable conversations with people, many of them would be open to that and would, I think, work toward a third way. Some people just aren't because they're, they're dug in. And my experience is people are dug in when they don't really know as much as maybe they wish they did, but don't have the time or energy to put into it and are fearful or are uh, doubtful about where their information is coming from. So that's why I would love to sit down with anybody and say, let me share with you a little bit about kind of the history of how the Bible came to be, biblical interpretation. You are so scared of that. Yeah. They don't want to
0: know that. I mean, right. they, they might to a small degree, but I think they're scared of that.
1: I think to an extent, it's one of those don't let's not confuse uh, ourselves with the facts uh, because how I feel is how I feel, and that's how it's going to be. And I, I can appreciate that. We all care about our children, we all care about our community, we all care about our businesses. I don't believe that there is a secret, latent homosexual agenda. I think that there are people who are being excluded who are our own children and our own grandchildren. And that I tell you, that's what that's the difference is when wow. you someone you realize someone in your family
0: humanizing it. I uh, mean it's absolutely. not just absolutely
1: it humanizes it. It's humanizing, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I I want to challenge you, our listeners, whatever side of the fence you find yourself on, maybe try climbing over and try to understand that viewpoint and to be inclusive of people. That's just what this life is about. I mean, You'll Die Trying is a podcast dedicated to figuring life out, and this is a part of it. This is the mess. This is yeah. the unnecessary mess that we find ourselves putting ourselves in as humans. It's like, oh, oh let's fight about this. Yeah. I still want to go back to uh, not eating hooved animals, double-hooved, split-hooved. I'm sorry. Yeah. So all the people that are killing deer, deer season— Right now. Venison, huh. elk, pig, you Hang know on.
1: these are all no more beef jerky, no more deer jerky. <sighs> yeah. I'm telling you, it's a really interesting study. Um, when you get into it, and and why those rules were, were, were brought about and, and you know I think that when Jesus and the Bible contradict one another, I'm I'm with Jesus. So,
0: there you have it. Well, I'm with you.
1: Okay. Thanks for uh, letting us ch- chat about that. I had no idea that's where we were headed. Yeah, but-
0: we. I was thinking we were maybe going down the Walt Disney route, but, you know, here we are talking about important things that need to be talked about. So, if you live in our community and the Fairness Ordinance, uh, do not turn your back or a blind eye to it.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's just a conversation, conversation worth having, not talking at one another, but sitting down and really talking with. I yep. think that's the secret.
0: Yep. Well, you are loved far more than you know by Dr. Carol and myself. We assure you of that. I'm Nathan. I'm Jonathan, and this is Jewel Dietron.